Welcome, everyone, to the 33 Voices interview. Joining me today is Lynn Janae Resitas, whose new book, The Plan, is flying off the shelves and unveiling a whole bunch of surprises about the foods we eat. So it's such a pleasure to have you with us, Lynn Janae. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mo. Great to be here. As I mentioned briefly to you, you know, unfortunately, we live in a society where people look for the easy path, especially when it comes to health and nutrition. So I thought it might be good to set the stage by saying what we're going to talk about today isn't necessarily easy as much as it is logical. But I thought it might be a good starting point for you to share with us maybe the most important thing that you've learned about nutrition over the last year that perhaps you didn't know. What have I learned? Well, actually, what we've really been working on is because our, our, our work has been so incredibly effective is breaking down the systems that are affected every time you eat a healthy food that doesn't work for your chemistry. So from uh, instigating a, a very huge histamine response and then a huge cortisol response, which of course affects either progesterone or testosterone, uh, insulin spikes, all of this is just this really horrible domino effect. And it's been really exciting because so much of the research that's coming up now has been backing up what we've been saying for years at the plant. So to be able to get everything that's now coming in off the New York Times and Scientific American and it's really explaining everything from the microbiome to uh, insulin spikes, uh, it, it's, it's an exciting time for us. But when you talk about health, uh, I think the most important thing people need to know is whatever you read is a mean average and that doesn't mean it's going to apply to you. When you're in the medical world, if you're working with something and that's 80% effective, if a food is 80% healthy, they're going to say you need to eat this. But there's a good chance that some of those foods you're going to fall in the 20%. And that's where we start to see the problem. Hmm, interesting. Well, I think it's, it's safe to say, and we both agree that, hey, dieting doesn't work. And I, it, but it certainly sells. Right. And I know you don't like diets, but you say there's no such thing as healthy foods, which is a pretty interesting cliche. What then should we start paying attention to? Well, you know, you're right in saying that uh, diets don't work. You know, anybody can be committed and motivated to do something for 20 or 30 days, but then you always go back to the way that you're eating, right? Now, most people are pretty systematic eaters. They're going to eat 30 to 40 of the same foods. If we actually identify and highlight the foods that are pro-inflammatory for you, then you just need to cut them out and replace them with something else. So if you're having the mashed cauliflower, which is 85% reactive, instead of the mashed potatoes, we're actually closer to about 10% reactive, well, of course, you're not going to lose the weight, right? But if you're looking, you know, I want to have those health benefits from the cauliflower, well, you could, you could easily have the broccoli, you know, the people the, that I work with are highly motivated. They want to be healthy. Do they want to have cookies and nachos every now and then? Sure. But the, those aren't the problem. The problem is if you're having that egg white omelet every day, and that's actually causing the inflammatory response, right? It's not the nachos, because you're not saying, hey, I expect to have nachos and lose weight and be healthy. 
Well, you know, one of the things that really surprised me, Lynn, sorry to interrupt you, was the number of reactive foods that I personally felt like salmon and turkey and asparagus that I thought, hey, you know what? I eat them all the time. And to me, they were some of the healthiest foods out there. So other than inflammation, is there another common thread that makes them reactive, you know, as others? That's, that's a great question. For, you know, the chemical compounds uh, in certain foods definitely tends to make them more pro-inflammatory, whether you're talking about uh, the goitrogens in certain foods or whether you're talking about certain proteins being unstable in their nature. So as soon as you start to cook them by altering their fats, you're uh, attracting free radicals. Uh, certainly foods that we found, uh, proteins that are higher in omega-3s, the longer you cook them, the more reactive they become. And th- this isn't a new concept, right? Uh, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, you, you can't cook meats too much. But we're actually finding that it is really affecting people on an individual basis. So we've had people that will fail salmon but do well on salmon sashimi. Interesting. Well, here's another misconception, calorie count which is something I had always believed in. And it's great to hear you talk about. I tend to agree that calories aren't a good predictor of weight gain or loss, but it certainly should be should not be a license for somebody to indulge, right? Well, I don't, I don't know about that. It depends what you consider indulging. You know, those first three days of the cleanse, as a woman, you're having over 7,000 calories, and as a man, over 8,500 calories. But you're losing anywhere from five to ten pounds, right? It's, Amazing. It's the value of the foods that you're eating. These are all low inflammatory foods that we put in the cleanse. I will literally have people that are three hundred pounds on the cleanse and say, "I can't eat dinner. I am too full." Wow. They haven't had meals that are chemically balanced and that are, that have the nutrient density of the foods that we have. And once again, that isn't the newest concept either. But the more nutrient-dense foods that you have, the less hungry that you are. But you, yeah, you'll quickly learn. We have the days where you're eating well over two to 3,000 calories a day, and you are steadily losing half a pound a day every single day until you introduce your trigger food. And then you'll see anywhere from half a pound to three-pound weight gain. Well, and I want to talk about the plan specifically, but before we get to that real quick, you say it's about chemistry. Right. Why why chemistry? Well, you know, what happens, and the plan is really, for some people it will work for under 35, specifically if they have a chronic illness or if they have migraines or if they have something that's sort of a pro-inflammatory condition. But what we're really specified the plan on are for people that are over the age of 35 or have had a couple of children. Because what we find is we hit what we call inflammatory speed bumps. And when you hit inflammatory speed bumps, digestive enzymes start to decrease, right? Stomach acid decreases, even saliva decreases as we age. So the foods that we used to be able to digest pretty easily in our teens and 20s can become very problematic in our 30s, 40s, and 50s. And because when you eat a food that doesn't work for your chemistry, you're affecting your immune system, right? 70% of our immune system is in our gut. So what winds up happening is that healthy food can cause that inflammatory process for up to 72 hours. That has a huge impact on your health and on your weight. 
Well, so, so there are three phases to the plan. Let's talk about them. And the first phase is the cleanse, but it's not your typical cleanse as you hinted at it a little bit. What is my ultimate goal in the first three days of the plan? The first three days are just to relax and let your body heal. And it's pretty exciting how quickly the healing process goes. I'm working with a, a nurse right now. Uh, she's made it through the first four days and she, she has type one diabetes. She goes, I've already cut my insulin in half. That's amazing. So that's what we want those first three days. We always say on the plan, the weight loss is the exciting side benefit, right? And you will lose a lot of weight. Then after that cleanse, which is totally food-based and we want you eating till you're full, we slowly start to introduce the foods that you love. And that's why we call it the anti-diet. Because I don't want you to eat macrobiotic or South Beach or any way except the way that you're eating. That way you can stay on this for life. So that, that you're referencing now, we get into phase two for the next, the, the next 16 days, I'm testing all kinds of food. And here, you're telling me, regardless of what happens, you're projecting I'm going to lose about eight pounds during that period, right? Right. Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. We've been keeping up with our Facebook family, as we like to call them. And uh, we've had people lose 20 pounds in 10 days. Uh, we one woman lose 16.6 pounds in five days. So it really depends on the level of inflammation in your body. And certainly you'll find that the worse your health is, the more weight you're going to lose. But we do find that if you do the plan for a month, the average weight loss is about 9% of your body weight. Which is pretty incredible. And I want to talk about kind of maintaining it in a minute. But one of the things that I learned last year that was new to me was, you know, that there's lots of research out there that's revealing that way too much protein that we're consuming could actually be very detrimental to us. Is there a target protein to fat ratio that you feel works best on the plan? Well, that's a great question. And once again, I, I want you to remember that everybody's chemically unique. We find that... Uh, the template that we start off with is the least reactive. So the, the plan is actually a pretty high-protein uh, diet, but most of it is vegetarian sources of protein, right? So uh, during the cleanse on the first day, as a woman, you're consuming, I believe, 78 grams of protein, but it's all vegetarian, right? Um, now, I do find that most people do poorly with two animal proteins a day, and even more with three animal proteins a day, and we include eggs as an animal protein. But there is a population that does really well on it. As a matter of fact, the people that have done really well on consuming high amounts of animal protein do very poorly otherwise. So uh, it's not a one-size-fits-all. It really isn't. You have to find out that works what works for you. And part of it is going to be your health history. Part of it is going to be where you come from. You know, your ethnic derivation has a huge uh, impact on how you digest foods. Uh, dairy is obviously going to do very poor for African-Americans and Asians. And if you're from Northern Europe, it's going to do very, very well. As a matter of fact, some of the articles we've written have even talked about the different length of the digestive tract, which... Uh, would indicate how you digest certain foods. So, you know, you can always go into the chemistry of it, but kind of why bother? Look, you test asparagus, you gain a pound, you feel creepy, don't eat asparagus. That's what we're teaching you on the plan. 
That's what I love about, I think, the simplicity of helping people understand that. Lindanae, what are your preferred sources of fats? What are mine? Yeah. <laughs> well, I eat my body weight and cheese on a daily basis, but I wouldn't recommend that for everyone. Um, you know, we really love uh, we love pumpkin seeds. You know, it's a rich source of zinc. It's great for prostate health. Uh, one ounce of pumpkin seeds has nine grams of protein, so that's a, it's a stellar source of protein. We love hemp seeds. Of course, we love avocado oil or cooking in grapeseed oil. Uh, we're, we're really big on the seeds because we find that they're easily digestible. And unlike a lot of uh, nuts, which you can start to develop a sensitivity to, the seeds are much less uh, inflammatory and likely to do that. So those are pretty much, oh, and butter. My goodness, we love butter. So, uh, so so does my friend that I referenced to you a little bit earlier. Too much butter. Let's shift gears <laughs> for a second. I want to talk about thyroid for a minute, especially for our women audience, of which we're really, really... You know, this is an area that impacts lots of them. And I'm just, you know, it, it clicked with me when I read the book and when I read your thinking on that. Why is it so elusive to most, most of us, this whole issue of thyroid? You know, first of all, when you bring up thyroid dysfunction, it breaks my heart, especially with the healthy community, because people are doing stuff like juicing and eating raw vegetables, not recognizing that many vegetables are goitrogens, which attack thyroid function. And, and cooking can often deactivate the compounds that uh, attack thyroid function. But how many women do you know say, you know what, that's it, it's the new year, I'm gonna have my green juice and I'm gonna have spinach and I'm gonna have raw kale and you know, I'm gonna have this and that and all of these foods are literally slowing down thyroid function. And we find that uh, most of the people that we were, most we'd say about 85% of the women we work with have thyroid dysfunction and many of them don't know it. And what's exciting is when we can actually get them off their Synthroid or their Armor or whatever medications that they're taking, we actually teach them which foods boost their thyroid function and, uh, of course, which goitrogens deactivate it. But well, interestingly enough, we'll see it a lot in people that overexercise. We'll, uh, we'll also see it in men that are vegetarians or vegans. They have a higher level of thyroid dysfunction. So. For many of the healthier population, this is actually something that needs to be addressed. It, Lynn, what, what is, what is the, the, the leading cause of this dysfunction? Now, I can tell you, I can speak to eight out of ten of my friends who are males, and this issue of thyroid would never even, it's not on their radar. Females, on the other hand, is on their radar, but I just don't think they think about it enough. Well, you know, it's really fascinating because in the beginning, we just did our thyroid test with, with women. But really about a year and a half ago, we started seeing it with men, and we really started to see those numbers bump up from the 10%, which we had in the book, uh, to about 25 to 30%. And once again, I think it's because we work with a healthier population. They are eating the raw broccoli and all of the uh, you know, cruciferous vegetables, which can potentially attack thyroid function. But what's really fascinating is when you start to have hormonal imbalance, uh, that hormonal imbalance can, can infect, uh, affect the thyroid. And over-exercising can increase cortisol levels so much that it's either going to affect progesterone for women or testosterone for men, and that will start to slow down the thyroid. Now, this is especially important because uh, thyroid dysfunction and depression go hand-in-hand. Hand. They, are, they are, unfortunately, a, a very unholy alliance. 
So one of the first things we do when we have somebody that's on antidepressants or talking a lot about depression is have them test their thyroid. Sure enough, it's not in its optimal range. And once we can get those thyroid numbers up, depression's gone, they're off the Wellbutrin. And that's exciting. No question about it. So am I correct to assume that at some point you would like, because there are a lot of physicians out there, I don't need to tell you that, who are quick to prescribe thyroid medications to even younger audiences. And I assume your goal is to get them off that medication. Well, it's, it's not only the thyroid uh, medication, which, yes, is, is unfortunately just prescribed way too quickly. Uh, it, it's also the antidepressants. I mean, when you're talking about postpartum depression, it's not depression. That's you're going through intense times of hormonal shift. That's thyroid dysfunction. But can the thyroid heal? Absolutely. But uh, the fact that not one single person that I have ever spoken to that is on thyroid medication, has their doctor told them about goitrogens? I, I think that's really criminal. Well, and top endocrinologists too, you know? I, and I shared with you my experience over the past week and I, in my own household. So, and that's why I admire so much the way that you are going about to send your message out there. Now you talked about me a second ago when you talked about fitness freaks and fitness fanatics. And <laughs> one of the great lessons for me, I've got to tell you is, you know, and I've learned it the hard way is the power of recovery. Obviously you're a big proponent of that. Yes, and this is what's really interesting, and I think you can see it. I always like to use marathoners as an example. You'll see a marathoner or a triathlete, and they look amazing, right? That picture of vitality, they're wonderful. And then you'll see other people, and, and they're not looking so healthy, and certainly the level of activity doesn't ex- correspond to what you're seeing around their waistline. You know, it's, it's really hard. Each person is unique when it comes to the stimulus that their body can take from exercise. I was working with one celebrity chef, and he refused to believe that his uh, 50-mile bike rides were causing his consistent 2.2-pound weight gain and his autoimmune disease to flare up every time he did it, you know? For him, that was a pro-inflammatory exercise. So what we actually teach you in the book, towards the latter part of the book, is to actually start testing exercise as a variable and see what works for you. Well, we find that for many people, specifically as we get older, that uh, constantly elevated heart rate with no decrease can actually cause too much of a cortisol spike. And of course, that just affects us on many levels from our stress response to our, our hormones and of course our waistline. Lynn Janae, another area that, that's probably on the forefront of a lot of people's mind now, sleep patterns. You know, it seems like every year as a society, especially as a North American society, we're either sleeping less or sleeping worse. What, I mean, what do you attribute to that number one? And I know you've got some ideas on how to improve sleep patterns. Well, you know, we find that uh, sleep is definitely affected by an inflammatory food. And one of my, my favorite stories is working with this great woman. She was on Ambien, and I said, Sister, as soon as you start the plan, you're going off the Ambien. So she does. She goes through the first five days. She's sleeping through the night like a baby. Day six, you get to test a protein. And, of course, she chooses fish because it's the quote-unquote healthiest protein. Of course. Well, she's up three times in the night, and she's up 1.6 pounds the next day. Here is this poor woman plugging in this food, thinking that it's healthy, not realizing it's actually causing her weight gain, and at that point, her worst, her worst nightmare. 
So we find that sleep will automatically be disturbed by an inflammatory food. And we also find, you know, just as far as weight goes, that for every two hours of sleep that you don't get, your weight is affected anywhere from 0.2 to 1 pound. Wow. Even if we're just caring about that waistline, you know, getting in that extra two hours is pretty important. So for all of our friends in Silicon Valley, you might want to take just an extra, <laughs> extra couple hours of sleep. I've got two more questions for you. Um, and the first is about just, I know that this, this is not a diet. So whether you feel you eat great or whether you feel you need some help with that, would you agree that if nothing else, if somebody would take these 20 days and try to follow this method of the plan, it will unveil surprises to almost every one of them? Well, it's true. We have a lot of people. And, you know, by the way, we also have people that come to us at their perfect weight, but they're like, you know what? I have in my 40s now, I have high blood pressure, I have a regular heartbeat. Uh, but we say, look, this is a commitment. If you feel you are perfectly healthy, your stress response is great, your sleep is great, your skin is great, your digestion is great, don't start it. Just put this on hold. But if you find that certain days your health just isn't responding the way that it should, this is the plan for you, whether you're 200 pounds overweight or at your perfect weight, because it's really going to help you uncover a lot of things that you didn't think were connected to food especially that stress response, because that's really what we see. You know, we knew when one woman was reactive to a food, because within 10 minutes, she'd start screaming at one of her kids. I don't know about you, but I think I've had some bosses that were eating a lot of reactive foods. And still are. (laughs) Still are. Plenty. As you know, there is a major, especially here on the West Coast, a major shift with a lot of vegetarian people, people turning vegan, people eating raw, just from a very general philosophical perspective. Can you give me your take on that? Well, I think when you're in your 20s, you can get away with anything. But, um, you know, we always say that by the time you hit your 40s, 50s and 60s, that most of the vegetarian sources of protein are not going to work for you. Now, that being said, I've worked with a few people that are vegan athletes, and we've been able to find foods that worked for their chemistry, right? Each person's chemically unique. But for the most part, we find that either from the goitrogens of the the vegetables that you're eating, lack of the proper protein to stimulate thyroid function, Remember, we're, we're recognizing that thyroid dysfunction is more and more of a problem. Um, and, uh, and just the fact that many of the things like soy can be very problematic, you know, setting you up anywhere from breast cancer, decreased testosterone. All right. My last question. Tell me three foods I should never eat. Oh, come on. You can eat anything you want if it works How for about you. one? There's no such thing. Don't eat, don't eat cardboard. <laughs> cardboard doesn't taste that good. Well, hey, I hope that... Actually, the one thing that is the, probably the most problematic to digest are hard-boiled eggs. So I'll give you that. And I can't tell you how much I really respect and admire the movement that you have created. It is very close and near to my heart and some of my best relationships. And I hope that we can continue to build on this. But please let everyone know, number one, how they can learn more about the plan. Because you got amazing. If they just go to your website and just look at everything on your website, it's going to give them a, a perspective. 
you know, we, we try to put so much free information up in it, really because when people say, you know, Lynn, when I talk to you, I feel like I've entered bizarro world. Everything's upside down. So a lot of times you really need some time to wrap your head around the concept of what we're saying, right? We're all chemically unique, and your health and your weight are just your chemical reactions to food. So we want you to go to our website, take a look at the testimonials, take a look at the information we have there. Join us on Facebook. You know, we have three, at this point, 3,000 people a day posting their experiences about being on the plan and how it's changing their life. And, you know, our book just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's, uh, it's very exciting for us because the more we can empower people and, and make them feel better, the more, you know, our life's mission is really fulfilled. And I really want to reiterate, this is not a diet. This is a very, very healthy lifestyle that I think gives you control over your health. Right, and like I said, you know what? If wine is part of your protocol, that's actually part of the diet starting day four. Uh, potato chips are on there, cheese, chocolate is on there because we find that it's actually lower inflammatory and uh, having fun is part of the diet as well. I know you're having a lot of fun. Plenty of book signings coming up, I know, on the East Coast. And if you're listening and have an opportunity to go to one of those events, you owe it to yourself and you owe it to your family. Lynn Janae, you are awesome. Thanks for the work that you're doing. Thanks. You're great as well, my friend. 